Hello everyone, and welcome to Season 4 of the Global Careers Calls podcast from the University of London Careers Service. Listen in to stimulating career conversations between a member of our team and professionals working in a range of sectors, based across the globe. This season's focus is the future of work, so let's listen in to our Global Careers Call. I first came across serious talk about rapidly advancing technology impacting the way law is practiced in around 2015. But there's been concepts of how artificial intelligence and automation would influence the legal profession and other skilled professions since I think the 1980s and probably before then. With rapid advancement of artificial intelligence and beyond the zeitgeist of things like ChatGPT, a range of back-end tools and ways of working which are combining and changing many people's experience of work and their workflows. It seems like now is a really good time to explore how technology is influencing the work of lawyers and the types of skills people will need. I'm delighted to be joined today by Chris Tart-Roberts and James Sylvester from the Law Tech Division of the London-based law firm McFarland, and they're working right at the cutting edge of legal technology. Hello, and uh, thank you very much for joining us, Chris and James from McFarland's. Um, first of all, Chris, would you like to introduce yourself briefly and let us know about your role and your, a bit about your background? Uh, sure. So uh, my name is Chris Tart-Roberts. I am head of the law tech practice at uh, McFarland's. Um, I've had a, a fairly long career in law, so I started out ooh, back in the late 90s. Um, I was a very traditional lawyer for a long period of time. I did my training contract and I qualified. Um, I was a finance lawyer. I was a, a finance partner for a number of years and was, I guess, seduced by the word world of uh, technology along the way and kind of got to a point where something which had been a little bit side of desk for me, a bit of a something that I dipped in and out of for a long period of time, um, I got to the point where I wanted to make that my uh, my full focus so about 10 years or so ago now i i moved into the crossover world of law and technology that's great and so just a quick question do you have like a coding background as well along the side of the legal profession i don't i don't actually so i i most people who do what we do most of the people in our team kind of come at things from slightly different angles so i come at it more from the legal side rather than the technology side um, albeit that that one of the things that got me into legal technology, into law tech in the first place, was was coding in an automation context. So I've kind of picked up things along the way, um, and I can use all of our various technologies, but there are certainly people in our team who are far more qualified than I am when it comes to coding proper. James is one of them. <laughs> That's a nice opportunity to bring James in. James, would you like to introduce yourself a bit about your background as well? Of course, of course. So hi, my name is James Sylvester. I'm a legal technology and innovation officer here at McFarland's. My journey into law started um, with a postgraduate conversion course doing a GDL and LPC as it's known here in the UK and was dabbling in various bits of work experience during this time working with family office firms and as a, as a temp in large scale document review and Similar, I would say to Chris, I had been sort of seduced or I had started to notice these trends in the law that were shifting um, and correspondingly was also starting to not see myself as a lawyer, let's say. Um, and so, yeah, various sort of 
points where small-scale family office firms were having to be more innovative in the way that they were structuring their fees, for example, or packaging their legal services, various things about document review where we would get hired for a three-day job and get sent home on day two because they trained up a machine learning AI alongside us. Um, and I wanted to be ahead of that change and, and have basically never looked back since. Great. And how long have you been with the firm, James? So, Coming up on five years now, which okay. feels incredible to say. <laughs> it's flown by. That's great. Well, I suppose, first of all, um, I mean, you've kind of touched this already, but I was wondering if you could give us an insight into a typical, if there is such a thing, uh, project that the team would be involved in. And how that would come about? Does it come from the client, from the business? How does that work? Shall I? Shall I? Shall I go first, Jay? Because yes, I mean, it's it's a really difficult question to answer. I think because um, I th I think one of the things that uh, that stands out to me in terms of what we do and our day to day is that actually no two days are, are ever the same. Um, what we come into one day, you know, it's, it's going to be next, uh, different the next day and, and so on and so forth. And I really enjoy that variety. Um, but but I think if you if you boil it down and you think about the, the common traits of our various projects, um, by and large, most of what we do starts off with an idea. Um, and that idea can come from various places. Sometimes the idea comes from us. Sometimes it comes from, you know, workshops that we run internally with our lawyers or our business services colleagues. Um, it can be a conversation that we're having with a client or a, a partner in another de department. It can be something that just occurs to somebody when they're in the shower in the morning, you know, and it's, it's, it's that kind of seed really that everything then germinates from. So it's an idea to do a something and that something might relate to work that we already do for a client. And it might be a something, therefore, that's about how can we use technology to improve that something that we already do, to enhance that service, maybe to do our work in a slightly different way. James was mentioning document review. That's quite a good example. Um, or it might be about how we can provide our ultimate output to the client in a new way, maybe something that's more online and interactive rather than, you know, something that's more static in a, in a Word document, say. Um or it might be that the idea relates to a completely new product or a completely new service that we could provide to our clients that's really underpinned by technology, that's made possible by technology. So those ideas then go in, kind of take you off in different directions. And from there, it's it's usually a, a, a process um, that involves developing that, that particular idea and, and the technology um, or the technological response to it, if you like, um, iterating that, testing that out, being very collaborative. I think, you know, that's one of the other things that I would draw out in terms of what we do. We're always working with other people within the firm and outside of the firm. Um, and, and then hopefully at the end of that process, you have a, you have a thing, you have, a, you have a, an, an improved way of doing something, or you have a new product that you're taking out and offering out to clients. One of the things I was interested in what you were just saying was that with those novel ideas, are they coming like... How do you fit those into the existing workflows? Because you're getting something from the firm, from a lawyer who wants to iterate on a process, but you've got a novel idea that you've come up with in the shower. How do you balance that? Is that something that you uh, you deal with in the team, or like how does you manage that time? We 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 do. I mean, there's there there are various sort of gateways, I guess, that our projects move through. 
And I think what's really important at the outset when you're trying to get these ideas out there is to be as actually as loose and unstructured as you possibly can be, because you don't want to stifle ideas at the outset, right? You want people to be able to just let things percolate. Um, sometimes you accept that those things aren't going to, you know, ultimately come to something, maybe because the thing isn't achievable or maybe because the cost benefit doesn't break even or, or you know, loads of different reasons. But some, sometimes you just you, you need to let it run for a little while to see whether it's got legs. So we, we will we will oftentimes do that with with projects just because we we want to see where they go. Um, but after a point, then you do need to think about, right, OK, is this the right thing to be doing in terms of our resource allocation? Is this the right thing to be doing strategically? Does this fit with with our wider goals, both for the team and for the firm? And that's when you start having to make probably more difficult decisions because there are some projects then that you have to say, well, actually, if I'm looking at all of the things that we've currently got on the list that we could do, which are the ones that we can do? Which are the ones that we should do? And sometimes at that point, we have to say, well, actually, th this particular project, great idea, though it is, we, we, we probably can't take it forwards right now because it doesn't, it doesn't tick enough of those boxes or there are just other things that are probably going to pay dividends more right now. I can see James nodding along there. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think one of the one of the really wonderful things about working in in law tech and and actually probably in law as well is when things are going really well, it it rarely feels like there's any one idea. It, it's almost like you're solving a puzzle together. And we work with a massive variety of, of different practice areas in the firm, pretty much all the practice areas in the firm, and even members of the team with legal experience. There's no way that we could match the lawyer's experience and, and understanding and, and knowledge of the law. So we don't try to, we don't have those pieces. We, we just bring the technical knowledge, the understanding and experience we've won from, from developing it out and, and iterating as Chris mentioned, and then yeah, try and solve for the picture together. And I think that's when you can get some of the best and, and longest lasting projects and, and really some of the best value out of, of the work you do. That's great. Thank you very much. Um, what I'll do is I'll move on to the second question now. Um, so also I'm really interested to know what areas of technology have most shaped the firm in the last few years and particularly how do you stay on top of that and strategize about the next steps that you're going to take obviously we've got lots of talk about chat GPT and I'm using a quotation marks there because we've probably all got opinions about it <laughs> but, I <was> wondering, <laughs> but I was wondering how you kind of keep on top of like and try not to get sucked into trends as well mm -hmm. Gosh, I, can I take this one? Please do, James. Please do. I think it's um, it's actually picking up on, on something that Chris mentioned earlier. Uh, automation in, in all of its shapes and forms is is one area of technology that has really shaped the legal landscape I think, from our perspective. So automation can be as simple as triggering an email when certain conditions are met to scaling up to you know massive complex regulatory analysis and advice where you're boiling down these various pathways that a lawyer can go um, when giving advice to a client on a piece of legislation. But it really does capture so many different parts of law and, and make more efficient, kind of assist with these legal processes. Um, going back to that email point, you know, if you consider the back and forth correspondence that is required to set up and, and manage some transactions, just helping take the burden off those emails and, and actually helping the lawyers focus on the relationship with the client and the interaction of, of the facts in the law can be can be massive and then can provide a huge benefit. And then, yeah, obviously the more interesting, the more complex pieces are very stimulating and very challenging, but it's about kind of 
keeping that balance and, and not losing both sides. Um, when you can do that and when you see technology that, that can speak to both sides of the spectrum, I guess, those are, those are the technologies that, that really truly have the power to be transformative. And so how do you stay on top of sort of changing technology? Because you're not a software house. Um, you're not necessarily developing novel bespoke programs or, uh, or you may be, but, uh, but you're going to be using kind of off the shelf things in some cases. So how do you keep on top of that? What's the, um, how do you manage all that information uh, um, coming at you? It's a really good question because I think sometimes, sometimes it's maybe overlooked or thought of as just a, a sort of maybe an ancillary task, but, but actually that is a really big part of what we do. And um, you know, we, we, we sort of split our areas of work within the team into sort of six relatively distinct um, sort of subcategories. And R&D, research and development, is one of those areas. And it is super, super important in all of its forms. Um, as, as you say, we're, we're not trying to be a, a tech company. We're not trying to be, uh, you know, develop, developers in the pure sense of the word. You know, we are using a lot of third-party technologies. We're doing some self-development stuff as well, absolutely. Um, but but the, you know, the magic really from our perspective is bringing those things together, combining them with our knowledge and insight in relation to the firm and its work and the clients that we do our work for, being a bridge through to some of those other parts of the firm that James mentioned a second ago, and and pulling all of that together. So that's that's really the secret sauce. It's not so much us kind of creating new technologies ourselves, but that does mean that we need to be out there and we need to be on top of what's coming through, because that that technological landscape is evolving really quickly, um, and. Uh, that 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 rate of development is only increasing and so it can be actually very difficult to to know what to keep on top of because you can't keep on top of everything there is absolutely no way that you could um and so you have to be selective you need to have kind of filters and, and whatever else in place to go okay that looks super interesting but actually that's not right for us that's not that's not going to work in our context for for whatever reason um and so we, we carve out time for everybody in our team to make sure that they're keeping on top of that, that, you know, everybody has a responsibility to be, be uh, engaging in self-learning, I guess you would say, um, attending conferences, looking at what's on the market, speaking to peer firms, um, engaging with academics, um, being part of industry bodies and, 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 and other associations where you can get a bit of an insight into what's going on there, engaging with clients, talking to others within the firm, um, and then and then bringing all of that back and sharing it within our team as well. Um, what we need to overlay, though, on that to, to make sure that we're looking at the right stuff, the stuff that's relevant for us, is the sort of the, the context and the strategy. Um, and, and that is, is, a, is a particularly big bit of my job. You know, it's thinking about how does what we do fit in with firm strategy and the firm's clients and what we do for them and what we want to do for them because what we do needs to be consistent with that and it needs to um, enhance that proposition that we take out to, to those clients. So, you know, we, we, we need to have that in mind when we're looking at a new piece of technology, um, say to go, okay, that, that looks great, but actually for a firm, uh, uh, for us as a firm, that's, that's not going to be relevant. 
yeah so trying to get trying to avoid the trendiest like chat gpt4 kind of world or well i mean it... i i think i mean the the, the the well we i'm sure i'm sure we'll have more questions about chat gpt as i know that's the <laughs> it's a fantastically interesting area and, and there's yeah. loads of interesting stuff that we're doing in that space but you know there are lots of technologies that you might see out there for example that are very much aimed at the the volume driven or the commoditized end of the legal market mm. now as a firm that's not the sort of work that mcfarland's does so those sorts of technologies that are really developed to facilitate that, you know, we shouldn't spend too much time looking at those because they're not on point for what we do as a firm. The other thing I was interested, you said about uh, collaboration or contact with other firms, because obviously it's a growing area. Law firms have always had uh, technology teams and the integration, though, as you mentioned, Chris, in your background, for example, between the two areas. How do you find the sort of like the community is amongst law firms particularly i suppose those in london where you're based um how does that sort of formulate and how would someone get into that world if that makes sense obviously through their work but there must be other kind of formalized networking areas there are i mean james you're 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 you know probably better placed than i am because you're 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 probably out and, and kind of involved in those groups in a different way than i am these days it's a it's a really good point. It's fifty percent sort of being aware about opportunities and coming in there. So I mean, some of the things that I did when I was starting out were joining hackathons. Uh, you know, if you have particular skills, if you already have software development skills, you can come in there and various sort of legal hackathons are run throughout the year. But equally, it is also just kind of staying a, aware of the market trends and being able to to speak to various ideas and concepts and technologies that are out there in the legal tech world and then when you meet up with people and you, you find these online communities um or you're starting to to pitch for for law tech jobs you know it, that passion that curiosity can really see you through and some of my first jobs and job interviews in law tech uh, it, it was unclear whether or not i was being taught more about law tech or i was trying to sell myself on my knowledge of law tech but actually it was those people and those connections that i made um, that, that still persists through and actually in some ways the law tech community is still quite small and it feels like quite a, a nice place to be in a sense we, we have some of the luxuries of a tech startup and some of the luxuries of a tech startup ecosystem without that vast vast scale um, it's still possible to bump into people who you've known or worked with I'm sure Chris is either grimacing or smiling <laughs> smiling 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 <laughs> but but no I think I think that's right and I think you know what we're also seeing now as as legal technology kind of becomes more recognized in its own right and and i think you know going back to what you were saying a second ago james with with, with your question um whilst technology you know there, there have been technology departments in 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 law firms for forever you know certainly as as long as as, as i've been working in law but for, for a long time before that as well um but but those technology teams do quite a different thing from from what we do you know your 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 it teams are very much specialists in in terms of certain technologies um that we use across the enterprise i think i think legal technology teams law tech teams tend to have a different complexion you might have some people who've come from an it background perhaps but it's it's probably much more multidisciplinary and the people who, who who come into that area who've got legal backgrounds or technology backgrounds or change management backgrounds or data science backgrounds, um, who 
who are experts in information architecture and a million other things as well, it's it's a complete melting pot. And and we're seeing now um, lots of universities um, establishing groups, you know, innovation and, and, and legal tech focused groups who are then, you know, people we've been into a number of, 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 of universities and, and we've talked about what we do and there's there, you know there are great ways to find information via that kind of route and, and via these kinds of podcasts <laughs> and and going along to conferences you know there are lots of conferences where you might have to you know buy a ticket but then there are lots of conferences where you can you can go along and you can listen in for free and it's it's all about i think building up that that kind of picture that james was talking about and and, and building up that knowledge via lots of of, of different you know roots but if you're if you're proactive about it there are lots and lots of ways to get in there great um so the next question i've got is sort of thinking into the sort of the near future because there's no point in thinking what's going to be happening in 20 years time because it seems slightly redundant um but i was wondering what the areas where technology is the most immediate opportunity to shape the legal profession and not just in the case of mcfarland's and, and the work that the firm does but sort of across the sector we've spoken a lot about automation but we've been speaking about automation since the 1980s essentially um so i was wondering what other areas there might be that might be coming up that you can think of something that i just wanted to highlight it's it's kind of an underrated area um of law type i do think it's really important to draw out is is that idea of, of changing the way that the legal advice is packaged and delivered to people um you know, some of the attraction of, of law as a, as a sector is that it's quite a human application of, of your knowledge and skills. You know, at the heart of it, you're dealing with human problems, um, even if those humans are in a company. And sometimes when you're, when you're carrying out these, these legal exercises where it's document review, for example, you know, you, you go through all that effort, you go through all that application of the law. And what you result in is is just a, a document that's static that you hand to the client, the client reads it, and then that advice is what it is. Whereas now you're starting to see new ways of offering legal advice that, that sort of grow and change with the client, that reflect the the nature of a relationship between two parties. Um, talking about online portals where the client can log in, those documents are stored, where information from those documents is brought out into interactive charts or visualizations or presented and packaged in a way that actually makes it something that, that the client wants to engage with and 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 sort of draws out and, and yeah brings out that headline summary in a way that is other than just a, a sort of one pager um and you know again going back to that that um doc review exercise that we've been sort of alluding to <laughs> throughout this interview but when i was doing those those manual doc reviews whether it was a, a person or it was assisted by ai at the end, it was still packaged in the same way. And so when you're looking at that process from, from end to end, and, and there is a temptation to focus on some of the flashier parts of, of law tech, um, when we think about it, it, it is about that sort of assisted process. And it's about taking a, a process and a package and, and finding out where we can help all the way through, not just at, at a certain point. And I do think, um, I, I do think that's yeah. really, really important, that, that, that piece of it. Um, you know, ultimately, we're here as, as as law firms, as lawyers, to serve our clients, and that make that means that we need to make what we what we what we give to our clients as accessible as possible, um, as useful and as informative as it can be. And whilst Word documents are great, you know, PDFs, <laughs> PowerPoint, wonderful, um, 
there are more sophisticated means available to us now to give clients access to that output. You know, James mentioned, you know, online portals. You know, there are lots of ways that advice can be made more interactive and can be made easier to interrogate and easier to work with in more sophisticated ways. Um, you know, our, our clients are using technology as well. Of course they are. And so they will have systems and um, applications that they're using within their own organizations. And they want that advice to flow through as well because they don't want it to be roadblocked because it's stuck in a Word docu document. So a lot of what we do when we're thinking about the things that, that we can help with mm. is looking at it from, from that angle. How can clients take the, the legal output and how can we use technology to make that more accessible and help them use that output better in the context of their business? Yeah, it's very interesting because one of the things that as universities we deal with is siloing of information. Mm. And uh, at the moment, uh, people in my team here are wrestling with various APIs to get data from one aspect of the university to another aspect. And this, this seems to be one of the big sticking points across uh, anyone who's got clients. And I was wondering, is that sort of, is that where you're going with that, that kind of sharing or free flow of information, integrating into systems? I think it is. I think, I think, I think that is part of it. It's, um, it's recognizing that the, the, the flow of information needs to be dynamic and it needs to be two way. Um, whether you're talking about it from a kind of lawyer or law firm client perspective, or whether you're talking about us working with other law firms on, on the, the, the things that we work on or things internally where we've got information or um, we're using different systems in, in combination, those all need to play nicely together. And so the ability to integrate is, is in, incredibly important. Um, and I think the, the, the sort of the wider point that kind of builds on that a little bit um, going back to what we were saying a second ago about things like ChatGPT and generative AI as a, as a, as a wider field, um, so much of the, let's say, medium term, uh, you know, value that that we'll, we'll see there because clearly it's it's an exciting area of technology, but we're, we're really just getting to grips with it in a legal context, and it's going to take us a while to to fully work out how best to use it, how to deal with some of the risks and limitations and what have you. But one of the biggest benefits that I see for it is helping us break down some of those silos, helping us really tap our organization's kind of institutional memory, because we are, we, we you know, we're knowledge workers. We, we, we trade on our knowledge. A lot of that is in our heads. We try to institutionalize it. And, and for a long time, we've had systems in place that, that you know, try, try to, to, to do that as best they possibly can. And, and, and those are successful. But... I think I think generative AI is a key to unlocking that collective wisdom that we have within organizations and also tapping then the external collective wisdom, combining those things together and making that easily available and easy to utilize at point of need. That's where the that's that's where the really real excitement is, I think, with that technology. Yeah. Eventually institutional amnesia will be a thing of the past. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it will be lovely kind of to get to the point where you know, one of the things that you see in, 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 in law firms, notwithstanding, you know, some of the, the really great search systems that we've got and, and what have you, you know, people will be sending emails around, you know, going, has anybody done this before? Or does anybody have an example of that? And that's human nature. 
um, absolutely, and 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 as a as an aspect of of uh, you know what people do day to day, it's actually a good way to get people talking. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it's inefficient, <laughs> uh, and and this sort of technology can really help um, fill some of those gaps and and give people the knowledge that they need quickly and easily when they really need it, and that is that is to to the lawyer's benefit, and and ultimately it's very much to the client's benefit. Great, thank you. And so, uh, final question from me, and this is really sort of thinking about current students uh, who are interested in working in law and particularly maybe in law tech. What should they be considering to future-proof their careers? I mean, it's such a changing landscape, and I see James is laughing just at the even the concept of uh, thinking about it. Um, but as, yes, what is it that people should consider doing right now to? protect themselves in the future maybe what are you guys doing it it's a really good question and yeah i mean if you had asked me at the the outset of my university career if i could predict where i was working now i would not be able to give you that answer but i guess to, to speak to the heart of it it's not really about predicting change but managing it and and it's about cultivating that mindset that that allows you to sort of spot where opportunities are developing um you know one of those parts one of those things i think is is really helpful in a, in a legal context is looking for repeatable processes and, and drawing on the idea that they can be automated so looking for things that are done really frequently in a law firm you know things that if you think about the sort of person that goes and does a law degree that is fantastically intelligent is using all of their time and their willpower and their brains but the job that they're doing at that moment might not be the best return on on their value might not be the most valuable work um just finding those areas and, and sort of looking for them in the, in, the, in the process of delivering law and trying to spot them can be a really good way of cultivating that mindset of, of innovation. And then also latterly just cultivating of knowledge and, and curiosity about the world of law, you know, podcasts like this, there are tons and tons of resources online. It really is a sort of rabbit hole that you can dive down endlessly learning about these concepts and, and the history of, of legal process automation or law tech in general to, to be, speak more widely. Um, and then lastly, remember that it's a human process and and actually don't forget that point about humility and, and listening you know one of the one of the best and some of the best lawyers that, that I have worked with are the most empathetic are the ones who try and put themselves the least into the room when listening to to a problem um, and and finding a way to connect your knowledge and skills the things that, that you've brought from your life whether it's professional skills whether it's an interest in tech that you never thought would actually be relevant to your career and and finding a way to connect that to the problem and, and the thing in front of you is is so valuable um and yeah it, it really truly is you know if we're talking about the age of automation um and, and the next wave of, of change to come keeping those human processes and keeping those human connections in there is, is going to be massively important well, I, th I think james has probably summed it up i'm not sure there's much <laughs> much more to say than that i think you know for me it, it, it's all about mindset if you if you're thinking about you know coming into the profession and what what really you know will help you stand out in amongst you know all of those other people who want who want to get in you know who who maybe want to be lawyers in a more traditional sense maybe who want to get involved in legal technology or, or be involved really in any aspect of, of what goes on in in law i think being curious and being ready to challenge are really important i think one of the things that lawyers have always been good at is is questioning and challenging in the context of what they do for their clients 
and achieving the right outcomes for their clients. What we haven't traditionally been so good at is directing that challenge inwards towards ourselves and the way that we do things, the way that we do our tasks when we're sat at our desks day to day, the, the, the way that our advice looks and, and, and the range of things that we do for our clients. And, and that's been, there's been a massive shift over the last 10 years. Um, and, and the profession has gotten much better at challenging itself. And we need more people coming into the profession who are ready to challenge. And just, you know, people who come in with a fresh pair of eyes and who are, who, you know, they're, they're, they're given a task to do and they're told to do it a certain way. And they just sit there and go, there must be a better way of, of, of doing this. Then actually say that. Because there probably is, if you think there is. Um, but I think, I think uh, you know, in the past, maybe as a profession, we've not been very good at giving people license to challenge. And, and that has changed and that's changed significantly. So anybody coming in now, I would say, think about it. Think about it through those fresh pair of eyes that you've got and you'll, you'll, you'll be able to add value. And don't just suggest to automate it each time. No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> but that's been really great. Chris, James, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, it's been really interesting chat, and I hope uh, the people listening to this get a lot out of it. I know I certainly have. Thanks very much. Thanks. Thank you. This was the Global Careers Calls podcast, brought to you by the University of London Career Service. All links and resources are in the episode note. This episode was hosted by James Weaver, edited by Abby Underwood, and introduced by me, Melissa Dorian. Follow and subscribe to keep up to date with our upcoming episodes with more motivational stories from our diverse graduate cohort, and please rate and leave a review if you found it useful. To listen to previous episodes and find further resources by our team, visit www.london.ac.uk forward slash careers.